0: Are you at your point where you think you've hit your bottom or maybe that there's just no way you're ever going to feel like things can change? I was like that. I really was. And I want you to know, my name is Bromo, by the way. I want you to know that there is a way out. Please join us for my podcasts. All right. There is a way out. My name is Bromo. The 19th of January today of uh, the year 2024. I've been uh, trying to put these together as uh not li- not really as quick as possible, but I want to get everybody up to speed. Everyone's heard my story, so sometimes I kind of feel I hope I'm not boring people who have heard my story before, but I'm uh, getting that out of the way, which might take a little bit of time. I p- appreciate everyone being patient. And then of course, uh I want to put others. That's the highlight. That's what this vehicle is all about. I want to hear from others, their stories and their strength and hope. Again, my name is Bromo. This is There Is A Way Out, this podcast that I do here in Bismarck, North Dakota. Actually, we are in Mandan, which is just uh, right by, you know, right on the edge of Bismarck. We're on the 12th floor elevator still busted here at our radio station. Uh, I am not an expert. Uh, I am. I don't have any degree or anything like that. I do have experience with addiction, with uh, I'm an alcoholic. My sobriety date is is two seventeen oh nine. If I get there, I'm coming up on fifteen years, and I have to tell you, on that sobriety date is my favorite by far favorite day of the week. Better than my natural born uh, birthday. I'd like to push that back, of course, but uh, sobriety date. If anybody is reaching a sobriety date, whether it's a year, whether it's six months. Whether it's 25 years, you understand what I'm talking about. Now, this uh, podcast, of course, again, I did this uh, four or five years ago. I put together 30 of them with a different company, and I'm not um, at, I can't replay them back just for the reason that I was with a different company. So that's why I'm doing them here. Same plateau and everything. Uh, for those of you who may feel that maybe you drink too much, you're addicted to whatever, um, you know if you have family members, if you have any friends that you feel may uh, may uh, be helpful if they listen to this and listen to my story and my progression on how things uh, became worse and worse and worse until I hit my rock bottom and then I made my climb back. I'm still on my journey, which is fantastic, which is the greatest feeling in the world. But I want those, those, anyone, to know that there is a way out. And uh, last episode, I was talking about how I got involved in a misdemeanor hit and run. And I was sentenced to this and that and this and then I took care of all that. I t- took care of the victim. Uh, I did what I was supposed to do as far as uh, my license was, was restricted, I believe, for half a year. I could only drive to and from work. But I procrastinated really bad as far as I blew them off when I was supposed to show up for community service. I blew them off again when I had another chance with an extension. I only completed half of that. And then on the, on the edge of being sent to jail, my lawyer was able to get me into a place called work furlough, which I went in. And uh, at a work furlough, they, they let you go during uh, the daytime so you can go out to your job. They get to, yeah, they let you keep your job. You pay a a certain amount of money, kind of like rent. And when you're done with your job, you better be back at a certain time because it is a minimal security place. Um, Different rooms with everybody living inside them. I had like six roommates all in one room. We all had bunk beds. Every two hours, there was a count. You had to be on your bed. That's the closest I've ever been to jail. But at least they they let you go so you can go out and, and keep your job. So for 45 days, I did that. They give you a sack lunch uh, and you better stick to that sack lunch. They highly suggest because if anybody strays and has, you know, like a bagel with poppy seeds in it, which can, can look like you just had cocaine, I believe. I don't know all that technical stuff, but you better eat what they put in your sack lunch, which is a soggy bologna sandwich and an orange or whatever. And maybe a pack of potato chips and cookies, whatever. That's what I did. And on that 45th day, just like high school, where somebody turned around and said, are you new here? Can you pass this yearbook to Betty Big Chest behind you? One of the police officers or one of the uh, work furlough officers walked by and said, can I help you? Are you new here? Nope, I'm just 15 minutes away from getting released. I'm sitting on the bench here on my 45th day. Right at midnight, my dad was there to pick me up. And we're driving home. And it was really nice to be, in my dad's car with my dad and all of that. And I know I'm going home and he asks me, "Is what would you like now? Are you hungry? You know, obviously what I wanted was alcohol. I said, can you stop by the 7-Eleven dad? So I went in there and I bought a six pack of beer and I must've down four of those in about 42 seconds when I got home. At this point now, I'm still working at the radio station. I'm also still working at the restaurant the restaurant eventually faded. Um, I uh, And here's why, because I had an opportunity to uh, work right across the hallway. We were there at our radio station and we had like f- uh, four radio stations in the same building. And Right across the hallway is where I would meet my best friend. 10 feet away, he would come in there with the rest of his crew after the show. And I, and I remember I told you earlier, I was not much of a, morning show expert, but I watched this guy, and I listened to him, and I, I started hearing about his show, and uh, he was a genius. He still still makes me laugh every time I talk to him, every time I'm hanging out with him. <clears throat> the show was called Dave Shelley and Chainsaw, and I met Dave, and we were able to, you know, talk here and there about, you know, this this or that. We both like golf, And at that time, I was working at another radio station. Like I said, we're all in the same hallway. And I was recording the Howard Stern Show. Yeah, which runs in New York at 6 o'clock, which is East Coast time. uh, Which, with us, uh, we're out on the West Coast. Of course, I had to be in the radio station at 2.45 in the morning. So there I am recording the Howard Stern Show for a while. And I got a chance to do uh, something for for Dave and his show as far as filling in for a guy who used to set up golf courses. Once a week, he would take listeners out. It was called Dave's Free Thursday Golf, and he would take listeners out to all the nice golf courses around town, and they would take out two groups of four and play golf on a Thursday, and in return, he would give them all kinds of great... uh, you know, talk about how cool the course is on the air. All kinds of advertising, basically for free, in lieu of giving us free golf. Golf courses loved it because it didn't cost them any money. We loved it. Didn't cost us any money. The guy that was arranging those golf dates uh, kind of pish-poshed, and he kind of let it go. And I uh, I asked Dave, do you mind if I take over? And he gave me a chance. And I started, uh, I, I went at it full-on big time. And I started finding golf courses that they had not played before. I was able to get us out on a golf course that had just opened right down there in Mission Valley. So as Dave and I were playing and getting to know each other, remember now, I'm still not on his show officially. Uh, As we were playing golf together, clowning around and stuff, of course, he would go on the air the next day and talk about the golf course and how great it was and what he shot, who the people that he played with, and so we, as we progressed, and I, uh, hopefully he liked my sense of humor, which, which is whatever, but uh, we, we, we thought that we would come up with a golf bet. And so as my real name is Dave, his name's Dave. So out of the blue, they started calling me this Bromo guy. Abramowitz was my initial, the longer name, Bromo is where I get my name Bromo. So for those of you who know, know my real name and you've asked me before, how the heck do you come up with Bromo? That's how. So he started calling me Bromo on the air and uh, said that Bromo shot a horrible 190 or whatever it was because I wasn't good at golf, still, still not. But we made a golf bet. We made a very first golf bet, which turned out to be uh, unsuccessful. As a matter of fact, The golf bet was I was supposed to kiss a guy in the mouth for like five seconds, I believe. And we tried to find somebody and the producer who was shuttling me around trying to find someone snuck me out onto a military base. Well, the problem is when he told everybody and he told Dave on the phone on the air where we were military police at that time and still to this time, they don't like it if someone sneaks you out on a base. So there I am getting out of the car to pay off this bet trying to trying to kiss a marine or Chris kiss whoever uh, MP police showed up and and basically almost put me in handcuffs, put my hands behind my back, took me into this building and said, look the reason why we know you're here is because we listen to the show but listen, don't do this again <laughs> we don't want to have to call the real police and come in it's not fun in games out here. remember this is before 9/ 11. And this is this is back around 1998 or so. That's when I very first became a kind of a member on their show. So that failed. The next golf bet payoff was pretty more was pretty much more successful. That was when I was supposed to wear a white T-shirt, tidy whitey underwear, black socks. By the way, the T-shirt tucked into my underwear, which was a good look. And I had to walk into Denny's and order a Grand Slam breakfast. We did that. And a news station came out and covered it. And from then on, we started making golf bets every Thursday. From then on, I was actually able to become a member of the show, actually a paid member on that radio station. A, a Bromo was my name back in 1998. Now, my drinking was progressively becoming... Uh, An everyday thing. Whether I went out and golfed with my friends during the daytime, after I got off work or whatever, beers were always there. Cooler's of beer. I enjoyed beer. I liked how it made me feel. I liked how alcohol made me feel. It kind of toned me down a little bit. It kind of made me less nervous because I'm a nervous, itchy guy anyway. If you're ever around me, you'll see that. Alcohol... So it's not like alcohol blossomed my personality, if you call it what I have, a personality. It just just took the edge off. You've heard that many times, and that's true. That's what it does for a lot of people. It took the edge off. I I enjoyed drinking beer over anything else, and many, 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 many times, Now remember, this is after my hit and run, many, many, many times, I would still go out and drink beer on the golf course. I would have uh, a, a golf, uh, a golf. I'd go out and golf. I'd have a beer can open, drinking that while one is unopened behind my, in between my knees, driving home. Um, and you would have, you would think that a misdemeanor hit and run would have taught me a lesson, which did not. The beer drinking continued. I drank at home on the weekends, I had a cooler in my room, so my dad didn't see all the alcohol I was consuming, and I hid that in my closet, and at towards the end of when I was still doing the Howard Stern show, uh, I'd go to bed like 7.30 at night, I'd have to draw my curtains and hear all the kids in the cul-de-sac playing during the summer, and I'd have to get up, ungodly hour, two o'clock, still with booze probably all over me, I'd drive... 20 miles to work, do the Howard Stern show, and then be available if they, if Dave needed me on the, on his show, which he did quite often. So alcohol was now a major part of my life. I broke away from the restaurant, stopped working at the restaurant, was working strictly at the radio station, having a blast. At one point, my dad tells me that he's possibly thinking about moving to Mexico on his own. And we had lived together for the longest time. And I know I was, you know, in my 30s now or whatever it was, still living with my dad. I chose to do that because my dad and I got along fairly well. And, uh, you know, he never pestered me about anything. And I was living rent free at a nice house there on the uh, edge of a canyon. And I had a pretty good life going. I was drinking beer and I was uh, with my friends drinking on the weekends and all that stuff. Still going to stup- you know bars late at night, still walking around thinking I had a chance to talk to any kind of woman that was standing around. <laughs> I'm sure their beer goggles were not working for them. But uh, as I continued to work on the radio station, I'll never forget. Uh, two years in, year 2000, the San Diego Chargers started out their season 0 and 10. So my friend says to me one day. When we are in the golf cart, we had just teed off on like hole number two. And he goes, hey, guess what you're doing on Friday? I said, what am I doing on Friday? And he goes, you're going up on a billboard. You're not coming down until the Chargers win. I said, "You, you want to repeat that? Yeah, you're going up on a billboard on Friday in the morning. And you're not coming down until the Chargers win. Turns out the billboard was about 51 feet up in the air. I don't like heights. Next thing I know, it's Friday morning. I've made arrangements for my mom to come over and take care of my cat. And there I am at the foot of this billboard looking up and they put me on this scissor lift crane. And they hoist this thing 51 feet up in the air. And I've got a microphone set up up there. And as time went by, someone donated a Lose, a lozy. Somebody donated a Lazy Boy chair up there. They had a webcam up there so you could see me all the time. Now, I wasn't on the billboard itself. I was literally right next to it. It was basically attached to the billboard. Because if you look at a billboard, unsafe, you can't sit on that thing or whatever. So I was on a scissor scissor, scissor lift crane next to the billboard. And I lived up there. And I remember first couple of days were insane. I couldn't lower the crane unless we brought TV media up there. I could not get off the crane because that would, you know, that would ruin the, the bit, so to speak. The, the deal was I was not a, uh, allowed to get off that crane. I couldn't come off the billboard, so to speak, until the Chargers won their first game. And so there I am. A couple days go by. Uh, like I said, the media came by with cameras. Uh, people drove by constantly to see where we were at because, you know, we advertised and told everybody where I was at. And on the billboard, it said Bromo's billboard and it said our call letters, KGB. And we were right next to a taco shop. So there I am, 51 feet up in the air. And I had a, there was a motor home right down below me. And that was reserved for some of the promotional people that were there taking care of me. So I would shout down, hey, how's it going down there? And people would drive by constantly to pull over. Hey, Bromo, how you doing up there? And they'd yell at me. I had a bucket, a red bucket with a rope uh, attached to it that I would throw over the side. People would bring by anything. And what I mean by anything is they bring by a bottle of booze. Fine. Uh, Some brought me I don't know, magazines, like a Playgirl. That was cute. Of course, I didn't, I tossed that off to the side. But more importantly, they brought me by booze. You know why? Because they knew I liked to drink. You know why? Because we talked about it on the air quite a bit. A lot of times, uh, some of my escapades, and we'll talk more about that as far as going into bars, became very, uh, very much talked about. And uh, some of my drunken stories, were the kind of stories where people could go, oh my God, and they'd laugh at it. Because I was the guy who poked fun of myself. I was the guy that lost the golf bets. I was the guy that you can make fun of. That was sort of my role. And you know what? I didn't have to do a whole lot of acting because that's really what I was. I was a loser that uh, was, nobody knew who the guy was in high school kind of guy. And a loser as far as with women and all that stuff. So I played the role quite easily. So during this stay, my manager would come by every once in a while. Hey, what do you want to eat? You want a taco? <clears throat> no, no offense to the Mexican food place right over next to me. I'm getting sick of their food. No offense. I'd really like a salad. Oh, come on. Don't so he'd have to go to some place and make me a salad or whatever. Bring it back. I'd lower the bucket. He'd put the salad in the bucket. I'd hoist it up. Thank you and eat my dinner now as far as uh taking care of personal things i would move that webcam out of the way so it wouldn't spotlight me as i went the it, i there yeah there was no porta potty up there <clears throat> there was a little round bucket a camping bucket that people would use sometimes at camping from a company called rei it was a bucket you'd open the bucket up and you'd go to the restroom in there and then you would empty it eventually. And how I, how I emptied that was very complex. It was in a big, huge plastic bag in the bucket. When the plastic bag got full, there's no way in hell I'm going to lower that and have an intern or somebody down below take my belongings, so to speak, and throw them in the trash can. So I would lean over the railing, which I was terrified, 51 feet up in the air. <coughs> Excuse me. And into the wind, I would lean over the railing. Into the wind, I would maneuver, maneuver the bag back and forth. So I threw it into a big, huge trash can canister, which was about eight feet away. Boom, and I would make it right in the heart of that thing. Like I said, I was there's no way in hell I was going to have an intern uh, take my reliefs, throw them away. Anyway, I remember one day, I was probably about the fifth day up there. And it was becoming pretty well talked about because remember, when I went up on a Friday, that following Sunday, the Chargers lost. You see, you see, I could only have been up there a couple of days. My hope was when I went up there on that Friday, they would win two days later, I'd be out of there. Nope, they lost. So I remember like the fifth day I was there, another mobile home, motor home pulls in and it's a chef, it's a full-on chef. And he's sitting there and he's looking at me and I'm looking down at me and he's got his full on white chef outfit on and he's from a culinary school. And he goes, I'm going to make you the best breakfast you've ever had. And that he did. It's the first time I've ever had eggs, Benedict, orange juice served in crystal glasses, utensils, toast. That was all, once again, that was all sent to me on this red bucket. I'd throw the red bucket in over. He would put the utensils in. I'd lift it up, throw the red bucket over. He'd put the eggs Benedict in very carefully, pull it back up. I'd throw the bucket over. He'd put a pot of coffee in there. So on, so on. He came back later on that night and made me barbecue ribs with salad. And the salad had little peanut butter brittle bits to it, feta cheese. And man, was I eating like a king literally eating like a king. I spent Thanksgiving up there. Yeah, I spent Thanksgiving. My nephew was born when I was up there. And finally after 10 days, the Chargers kicked a 53-yard field goal to win their only game of the season. And as they were about to lower the crane, the fireworks guy had been there a couple days before and said, "Look, Brumbo, whether you uh, if you win, if the game if the game And the Chargers win. Come over here. See these marks right there? Yep. You're going to stand on that mark and that mark with your left foot, right foot. You're going to hold the champagne up over your head, and you're not going to move an inch. Uh, Okay, why? I'll tell you why. Because these fireworks are going to be buzzing by your ear within inches. And that's what happened when the Chargers won that game on that Sunday. All these fireworks went flying past my head. They lowered the crane nice and slow, and I got off, and I was some sort of hero. (laughs) Some sort of hero, I guess. And all I could think about was going home to my own house, my own bed, and drinking more and more and more. Remember now, alcohol was part of my life. Alcohol was part of the stories that were on the air. Alcohol was really attached to me. That was my tag, basically. No, I wasn't the town drunk. I was the town guy that lost all the golf bets and went around and had to go up to 7-Eleven in the thong and buy people coffee, whatever. I was an entertainer that I knew I could make people laugh, but I also knew that my drinking was starting to become a problem. I didn't miss work. I loved my job. I thought I was some sort of big shot for the first time in my life ever. First time ever in my life, people kind of knew who I was. And I have to tell you, it was a nice feeling. When I was going into bars and such, people would recognize me. And they'd come over and they, hey, Bromo, can I buy you a shot? Yeah, you can. Uh, It was a feeling I had never experienced before. So I can't lie and say that I was modest and, you know, oh, please, I'm not like you. I enjoyed it. But I never thought, really, never thought how alcohol was going to ruin my life. But it was about to. It was about to. My next episode, I'll tell you how my alcohol increased. Dangerously so. Once again, my name is Bromo. You're listening to There Is A Way Out. Thank you for listening to my story. It'll continue just for a little bit more. And then we'll have others come on and we will have fun sharing. Remember, this podcast is is designed... For those of you who think that your life is really unmanageable, for those of you who think maybe you have a friend or a family member, you know, I was able to finally get out of my rock bottom. I never thought I could. And now I know of others. I know you can. And that's why I have this podcast called There Is A Way Out.